and welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three dungeon masters who've been doing this for <laughs> way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by Tony. You are not alone. I am here with you. Though you're far away, I am here to stay, and you are not alone, I'm here with you. Yeah, baby. That, of course, is our formerly known as the Rock and Roll DM. I think now we've got to rename him, what, the, uh, the, the, the R&B DM? The King of the Pop. The King of the Pop DM. Wedding singer? I mean, I don't know. The wedding singer DM. There it is. DMK. I do, all, I do all, whatever. Yeah, put your requests in, people. I'll see if I can get to them. <laughs> we do have to do some custom D&D songs one of these days. Mm. One but day. the point, the, 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 the point that, that is connected to what we're talking about here today, which is, you know, are you alone in all the quirky DM habits you may or may not have? And this comes to us from a listener question we got today from Jason. Actually, Jason signed as Dr. DM Jason. So Dr. DM Jason, thank you very much for writing in. That a little must bit have of been a overseas long... or something. Must have been like a University of Guadalajara out... or something. You don't have to give out doctorates mm. in dungeon mastering? I don't know. I don't know where they do it. I just let me know. I mean, I'll I'll head out there. Maybe we get some honorary ones. Anyway, it is a lost revenue opportunity for somebody. I guarantee. Right. So, Doctor DM Jason says, "I've been a fan from the moment I discovered your podcast as you released about the fifth episode. I love that you guys are wise, and each episode feels like sitting around with my friends discussing the game, completely reminiscing about past games." This is why we are answering your question, Doctor DM, because you. Play, you paid like three episodes worth of tithes right up front. <laughs> like first edition yeah. pound and tithes, really. <laughs> and it goes on. I look forward to your podcast every week and get excited when I check and new episodes and a new episode is out on Sunday. So, oh, uh, I mean, come on. So, Jason, thank you, thank you very time. much. We really appreciate it. And we're very glad that we have convinced you we are wise, uh, something of which I don't think any of us has quite convinced ourselves. But here we go. We put it in the title anyway. Three wise SDM. Yeah, we're kind of like wise the same way, you know, the three stooges are wise, you yes. know, the, the, the three stooges yeah, of DS. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, definitely. So Jason currently DMs three games regularly and two more that are less regular. He listens to a range of podcasts, including ours and several real plays. And he finds himself spending a lot of idle thoughts on the game. Recently, he was watching a DM roundtable with Matthew Mercer, Brendan Lee Mulligan, and Abria Liengar, uh, where they were talking about how they create games, make rulings, etc. My favorite part of the discussion turned out to be when they started talking about quirky things they do as DMs. This included how patient their significant others have to be as they act out voices during showers, wander the house doing voices, talk about random ideas they have, etc. It was validating to hear three marvels of the community talk about how they all do the same things I do. I practice voices in the shower, talk to myself about ways to describe settings, and find myself looking for things that can be used for terrain or miniatures everywhere I go. Yeah, it gets a lot more dangerous when your wife takes you to AC more and you're a DM. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Have you seen the new meme that, that's going out where, like, uh, what is it, PetSmart or something? And they're showing, like, the reptiles. better Warhammer supplies than, like, yeah, and it's true. I'm looking, I'm like, oh, shit, I need to go to PetSmart, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So Jason was just wondering if those things sound familiar to us and if they really do seem universal. He was thinking perhaps there are other interesting, odd things we DMs do outside of the game that we could all talk about during the podcast, and he'd love to hear about this from us. So 
let's get into it. Weird quirks we have as DMs. And I got to say, my wife has heard more than one weird plot or weird setting interaction or weird monster interaction that she really had no interest in hearing. You know, just, just being poured into her ears. She's now I've been with my wife for 25 years. We've been together since 95. And she 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 That's realizes now. Yeah, she, she, she's gotten very good at when I want to talk about some weird thing. And it could be anything from D&D to the way medieval weapons and armor interacted to dinosaur evolution to, you know, space stuff. It could be any of those things. Like, she, she knows every now and then she's just going to hear me rant or just hear me explain something to her because I need to explain it to somebody. And she's gotten very good at this. God bless her soul. <laughs> but that is, for me, I think perhaps my biggest one is I will just talk. And explain and, and talk about the theory going on in my head uh, to whoever is nearby and not actually in the game. What about you guys? Yeah, I think a lot of our significant others have heard some really weird out of context stuff, especially because and I openly admit this. I talk to myself. I try not to be too insane about it, but I do. Yeah, I practice all five of my voices. I do read my the important lines. I make sure I have them rehearsed. And my in my creative process when because I like to have a lot of prep for my games. It's just so I have it super clear. Like, I walk around and think through the whole game, the beginning to end. And if I happen to be talking to myself, someone's going to walk into a really weird moment where I'm in, like, chapter three talking about something. And they're like, there's no way I can make sense of this. Zero. <laughs> Goblin King, huh, Tony? That that That's great. There's a delivery coming. I hope he doesn't get the driver. Thanks. Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I hear this because, you know, I've been in plenty of relationships in my past where uh, so much so that, like, I probably it wouldn't even have been allowed in the house kind of thing, probably why they're former relationships, you know. But I'm kind of blessed now because, like, with Bonnie, it's – it's just like we game in every game together, whether I'm running it or we're players in it, whatever. And we do a b- bunch of board gaming. We go out to see all of the different, you know, movies, the MCU movies, the fantasy movies, all this kind of stuff, shows, whatever. Like right now, Thorne, you'll be happy to know we are catching up on Firefly. Excellent. Thorne, he Excellent. brought over his Firefly, the game board game, which is, if you guys haven't played it, this is a little bit offside, but not really. Fucking awesome game, man. And, like, I can't wait to play it again now that I kind of know who all these people are and stuff. But anyway. And, and just just to clarify, that's the original Gale Force 9 game where you're actually, like, the, the freighter captain. Not one of the games, like the Skirmisher games, but it's the one where you actually you have your, your captain of a ship and you're flying around the verse trying to take jobs and keep flying. So that one. Oh, yeah. And it really, watching this show, it captures it. But that's a perfect example because I'm kind of pri- – I feel like I'm kind of private with, like, my prep and stuff. Like we've talked about before, I'm always in my head about it. Like – uh, I've been uh, developing a new campaign for the, the girls campaign, um, which I'll actually be talking about in the future. I mean, I'm probably going to put an article together because we're actually taking a left turn with it. So it's kind of like a session zero happening all the time. But I'm in my head all the time about this, like incessantly at times, especially when I'm like super amped about something new. And like my voices and stuff, I am definitely doing those, but I kind of do those in public anyway like i'll do them at work sometimes like in a joking way <laughs> i'll do them like in the car i'll do them, like around the house but not in a way where i'm practicing as much as i'm just kind of goofy right well but, so uh, dave is actually a working physical therapist here a licensed <laughs> physical therapist so is this sort of one of these things where you've got a patient on the table and, and you start talking like yoda mm, yeah I, no, this, I will say there was so, so, 
Please. And I could get, I'll get my cohorts on here uh, some other episode if people don't believe me. But yeah, there was an entire whole shift, like the first half of the day, where for some reason I was only saying like four lines from Planet of the Apes from Charlton Heston. So uh, that wow. was, like four different Charlton Heston lines that I would just like fire out, like if I, you know, setting somebody up on heat and stem or, you know, bringing them over to the table to work with or whatever. So, yeah. So, yeah, we're goofy, you know, so I'm kind of goofy. So I, I might not pick up the quirkiness because it's it's so accepted in my daily life. <laughs> anyway, I'm fucking rambling now. So please continue. I will tell you something I do that's kind of similar to that is I will throw out quotes because one of the aspects, one of the things that I think contributes to me being a good DM is as I'm reading or watching TV, I get lines that I just they just stick in my head. Yes. There are even lines other people don't get. Like maybe it actually probably has a lot to do with me being a writer and an editor as well. Yes. But I'll just get lines and just rattle them off sometime and realize no one else thought that joke was funny or no one else knows what the hell I'm talking about. But I just do it anyway <laughs> because they're in my head. Like I have this thing I love to. I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember Simple Caveman Lawyer from SNL, but hey, I'm an editor. Rock. Key yeah, I, 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 like like in my in my day to day job, I'm an editor, so I I ghost edit for uh, content for people. But we have account strategists to work for them, and we have salespeople who onboard them. And I will often, when I'm talking to the customer, because I'm just the guy executing on the content, I will often say something like, "Look, I'm just a simple caveman editor. I don't understand things like your MRR, and and, and no one gets I don't it. understand your weird flying machine. <laughs> but even I know." That, that that knowing your niche leads to good SEO. Like <laughs> so great. <laughs> maybe I just gotta work the bit a little better. I don't know. But it's like like it's just things like that. I have that, that if you want to talk about DM quirks, and this goes beyond the household. Because it's just just that little bit of like I have something I think is interesting or funny and it's gonna come out. And it's gonna come out whether the people around me recognize it or laugh at it or appreciate it. Either way. It's not gonna matter. It's just coming out. When I'm working on an idea, it's kind of like there's a giant process going on. Sometimes it's in the background, like everything's running until the whole thing is it reaches a conclusion. When it reaches a conclusion, if like I'm excited about it, like I'm like, yes, I want to run this, then I know I got it. But there's times where I've gotten halfway through a module and pushed it all off the table and been like, nope, I cannot take this where I want to go. It's not going to fly. I've thought it out. There's too many places where it's stringy there's too many leaps people are gonna follow it it's too confusing um but yeah like i'm sitting around if i'm daydreaming or all these things yes it's a it's a continual process and yeah i get amped up for these things and i also get up for amped up for the people's car- uh, campaigns too and i'm sitting around and i'm having an idle moment I'm like so what do i want to do when uh we, when we uh we we uh get the next the next game like where do we leave off what can i like what what can we possibly work and it depends i kind of start cycling through my characters like some of them may have like what what, what character maybe i don't have anything they could do special because they're in the middle of something but there's two or three others i have that most certainly can <laughs> yeah and i will say this tony tends to remember the story both while it's going on and 10 years down the road better than anyone else i know now it might not be exactly the story you told but he will remember a version of that story and rattle I don't remember it off the story, you. yes. <laughs> he will rattle it off to you 10 years later. No, here's what happened there. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was different. But go ahead. Go ahead. I, I like that it's still alive here. Yeah, it's a it's a living history. 
Yes. Uh, but no, Thorne and, say, and Tony in the same way, too. And yeah, Tony, we all know that because we played through the Storm Kings campaign with you. So we're very well aware. <laughs> you just decide, well, I'm going to do this instead. Um, but no, like Thorne, in a similar way to what you were saying, I think my biggest thing, and it's probably not quirky to it's it's probably just part of being a DM, especially if you're doing it. Uh, at a regular pace like we are, where we're all running at least one, two games, sometimes more at a time, um, is that I'm relating everything that I come into contact with to the game or to a game or to a mechanic or to a future storyline or that TV shows, books, games, uh, I mean, everything like a real quick thing, just to got, give you guys a sense. We got that call to adventure game, right? Yeah. That board game, right? We played it first time. I'm like, dude, this game is phenomenal. Me and Bond are having a great time at it where you're creating your character. I loved it so much. I was like, this is a great, this is like D&D by itself almost. So what we actually just did as we kind of did a, we recession zeroed. I was like, you know what? I want to use this. We're going to play call to adventure and we're creating the characters out of the game. So we're creating them right now, and then you're going to turn them into 5e characters. Uh, so, like, everything that I come in contact with, movies, books, television, the traffic light, whatever, is constantly like, how can I play this? How can I run that? Ooh, oh, that's a that's actually a really good way to start. That's a great way to start a session. That's a great in media res. Oh, okay, we, you know, it's it's incessant. It never It never seems to fucking end. <laughs> And just for those of you who may not have played Call to Adventure before, it's a board game. It's got at least one or two expansions out now. Mm. But what you essentially do is you start off with a character and you basically play that character's life story. Yeah. Um, as you go acts. on, yeah. yeah, you play through three acts and like kind of what happened to them as kid, like to start the adventure, what they did on the adventure, and then what happens in the end. And they become heroes or villains. They don't want to become too villainous. So it really is a great kind of almost like a backstory generator two for other villains. games. <laughs> it is it it creates a hell of a backstory man i'll tell you what yeah you come out at the end you retell your story you have a really cool deep story about this character you just played out it's actually really neat yeah but yeah perfect oh, example like characters. whatever we're doing playing games right playing games or whatever board games or otherwise it's always just being related back to oh how could this that would be really cool in the, in the next session or something you know Oh, no, I have to tell you, if there is inspiration, if there's something good that you can retrofit into your game without blatantly ripping it off, it is, that is free material, that is fair game, no holds barred. I mean, seriously, I play a board game and they do something cool, and I'm like, I'm, I'm eyeing that up, I'm like, huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can now. smuggle that in there, and That's this mine. group doesn't play with me, and they're not even going to know about this, this is fantastic. Now, if you meet, and of course, inspiration, even if you're not like porting stories in, you know, like we draw inspiration from basically uh, you see someone does something fantastic like Castlevania did boss fights very well. Of course, the MCU did a lot of things very cinematically amazingly. But, you know, you get inspired and try to draw some of the better things that were obviously successes and see if you could bring it into what you're doing. So where do your D&D books stay? I don't necessarily mean where they're, they're supposed to stay. But I know my D&D books can be in a pile literally anywhere in the house at any time. And they could oh, okay, sit there okay. for six weeks, two months. <laughs> Do you guys find yourself doing that? Like your D&D stuff winds up creeping out all over the house? Yeah, no, absolutely. 
There's that one book that you're actively reading, and then there's the book that you're actively drawing from from the campaign. There's a couple else somebody else is using, and then yeah, it's covering some ground. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what. Yeah, so that's probably part of my like where I uh, I keep my a lot of my stuff is happening in my head and privately. So like I have my 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 study right that I use, and that's just kind of my spot where I read in the morning when I'm having my coffee. You know, I, if I was doing some writing, I'm in there in my big easy chair, you know, with the, the ottoman and stuff. And all my books, all my my Watsi books are all on the top shelf. So I just, I'll go up and I'll grab. I oftentimes like I'll have two or three of them when I'm working on something and they're just sitting by my side there. But I'm I'm a little weird because I, I like to put them back up on the bookshelf, too, unless it's like, oh, I need to get back to this one. So I'll just leave that one out, you know. But, yeah, they don't usually find their way around the house too much, you know. But I got so dogs, that, too, so I don't want to. That's true. That's <laughs> true. I, I do have a book. That, I do have more than one second edition book that was chewed on by a dog. Yeah. And like I, Pete already got into Matt's dogs dogs the other night. So, you know, <laughs> I don't want him to get into my, you know, Magnificent Monsters book, you know. I also caught you put it on the top shelf. Is that so your girl? Is that so Bonnie can't reach it? Oh, <laughs> she probably can't. She probably had to get a, <laughs> a little stepladder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. No, actually, so for me, it's like, because, I mean, I also, like, I'm kind of thinking about things, thinking things through in my head. But when I hit a moment where I want to go through, okay, so what are the monsters? Where, like, like what are the pieces I want to use here? What are the magic items I want to use here? And I want resource books. I tend to wind up keeping those near wherever I'm actively sitting. So like right now we have a, um, in our, I have a game room, which is right off of our living room. Just not even a door, just walk in books are on the shelf, but I'd say 75% of my fifth edition stuff is sitting on, on the, the coffee couch. table. <laughs> now, not on the couch, but on and under the coffee table. Cause it's kind of a two layer coffee table yeah. next to the couch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, and that's it, because I'm like, oh, I, I want, ooh, what, what monster? Does that monster work that way? I go reach down. It's, it's like on arm's length for me. I reach down, I pull right. the monster manual. All right. So <laughs> I, all right. So I will be there with you, because it's not a physical book. But I did download the app 5e Tools on my phone, which has all of the adventures and books in it. So I'm always, I'll be on the couch and just be like, watch. And I'm opening it up and looking through a module and see, like, where I want to, what I'm, what I'm using or what I might want to use or you know, what I might want to look into or steal from it. So, no, I am kind of opening up the books all the time, just on a digital platform instead. So uh, For me, it's got to be it's got to be a, a, a paper a book. book. I like book book, yeah. I like books like I'll, I'll, I will use digital copies to decide if I want to buy something because I do want to get yeah. a look inside. And especially if it's not a main Watsy book, you can't get it at a bookstore anymore. And I'm not spending 65, 70 bucks on a book I haven't even cracked a spine of. Right. But I will like like almost every pretty much everything I use that I can get. I have a physical copy. Oh, yeah. No, if I'm going to use it, though, like this is what I'm doing right now. I do a lot of that where I'm looking at certain adventures and do I want to play this one or whatnot, right? Uh, but no, I am I will then go get the book because I need I, – I'm always cracking through that. Yeah, I'm the same way. And to be fair, there's quite a few books I haven't used that I also have physical copies of. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm doing my part to support bit. the industry, frankly. Yeah, I had to stop myself at some point because I was like, I'm never going to get Oh, it. no. Watch it. Watsy got my money from fourth edition, from all the books and all the figs. They should have sent me a thank you letter. They're like, thanks for sending my kids to college. I was covering D&D in fourth edition, so I was lucky because I got all those books for free to to do reviews on. And to introduce – now, at the same time, I think I deserve credit for Tony's books 
And a lot of all our friends who bought books, because I taught them all fourth edition, because I had the books, I got the books very early in the cycle, so I taught Every them all how to play. So, so it paid off. They're like, "Oh, you're a ranger. You need the fourth edition ranger's handbook. Here it is." Oh God, yeah. When we got to that part, okay, I, I don't think I went that far down. That I was the, the 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 gig was over by then when they got to the little books that were for every class. Mm-hmm. And there was Here's a lot ten thousand powers. Well, I see they're doing yeah, that now. That are all the same. They're doing that with 5e now where they'll have like the special like icons of the realm, you know, minis collection for each like adventure and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I could lose myself. Actually, so I do want that. Like, I kind of like those, you know, especially when you have something that matches your dude. But I think they've shown a lot of restraint, perhaps too much restraint and not flooding the market with 5e books from D&D itself. Oh, yeah. It's it's gotten to be a bit more now. But like fourth edition at this time they were rolling out all sorts of like just infinite new power and it was so much that like you had a lot of kind of like the, like splat book type things where it's like okay this is selling to a small portion of the audience but not everybody so i think they've shown a lot of restraint in some ways i think even almost too much restraint because i would really like to get more monsters on the table mm. no absolutely yeah just like like your the monstrous compendium idea you know i'm still waiting for them to yeah. bring that back because that does sound like a cool idea one of the real pleasures of being in the game and having a character is to be able to pull out the books, look at your abilities, you're going to level up, what am I going for, where do I think I'm going to be, when I hit a subclass, all that great stuff. But 4E had gotten so preposterously built out that it had to be in a digital platform for you to see it because you're like, where the F was this written? Oh, in Nick's Guide? Oh, that's great. Okay, that's 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 an okay. I do want Nick's guide power. And there was so many different entries you could you could never truly optimize unless you owned everything and had like your table had like steel legs to support it. Well, that's definitely something that is like that. That kind of makes me think of something that's probably a little a uh, little quirky on my end, uh, specifically because of the way in which I like to run things. Because as you guys know, I love I love published stuff. I love taking it if I'm running it full full bore or if i'm just kit bashing if i'm just taking out parts and putting them in my hot rod you know so i'm always looking up on like things like adventurelookup.com dms guild and just seeing like reading through all of the various like i'll just type in like sea adventure and then just start running through like different and reading like what's this one? Oh, that kind of looks what's the preview you know and i'll just lose myself down those rabbit holes looking at these things i'll never fucking run but maybe I might find something like, oh, that's something I could use. And then I'll, by the end of it, I'll have changed it so much anyway. So just, I should just write the fucking thing. I did that with Dragon Magazine and Dungeon Magazine where someone would be like, oh, I need you to run a module. I'm like, okay, let's see what I can retrofit into 5e and start going through all these. And I get read through, you know, a a nine page Dungeon Magazine. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can use a third of that. All right, time to start splicing with another Dungeon Magazine. I have too much fun building the encounters and the adventure to huh. to rely on that too often. Because for me, like half the fun of being a DM is, hmm, I want to play with this monster. And then putting together an encounter around those monsters, you How know. How does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, so for me, it's constantly, it's more like, ooh. And I go crack the book and then I write some things down and I go find a map that can run it on if we're, if we're online. And if not, I usually don't worry about maps. We generate them as we go. So, yeah. So for me, I'm not so much on the module side of things. Which yeah. is, I guess, where I don't support the industry that much because a lot of <laughs> a lot of commerce gets done in modules that I'm not usually picking up. Yeah, most of the books out now are, are generally adventure paths. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Definitely true. So, what about what other quirks do you have? What else do you do that makes that that you feel like is a kind of a weird thing 
or a bothersome thing to the people around you that you do because you're a DM, other than killing their characters. Yeah, that could be a little bit bothersome. Uh, sometimes I do think tank with people who are outside of the campaign, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just like put it in abstracts. And the thing for them is, they, like, I'm like, hey, I need to make an NPC that's this sort of way. Like, what, what, what you got anything? And they're, they're like, they're so out of context with this. And they're like, uh, you could try this. I'm like, no, 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 no that <laughs> won't work. And I'm like, why the hell did you ask me? Yeah, I, I gotta say, I think I'm in a, I'm in, I'm in an environment where it's not really weird, you know. So if I happen to start talking yeah. about it, if anything, I can't talk about it too much at the house because Bonnie's like in the game, you know. So I can't be like, so when you guys meet Vampire, what do you, you know, what do you think should have, you know, um, <laughs> you know. So I kind of maybe that's one of the reasons I have to play it close to the vest around the house, you know, and it's all in my head most of the time or on the walk with the dogs or, you know. Driving in, in the car. Oh, Pete knows all the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> One day we're going to crack the code to let dogs talk, and Pete's going to be like, here's what's happening next to the campaign, guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, I guess one thing that is quirky for me is for a long time, I would pull in almost anyone I was friends with and teach them D&D, like including like like coworkers. When I lived in Holland, there was there was a couple coworkers who I taught D&D to just to play one on one. You know, you bring them over, you're like, OK, let's make a character and play quick adventure, which to me felt totally cool and normal. But as I look back on it now, I'm like, that is not something you normally do with college. <laughs> Yeah, I still would love a bit of fly on the wall to see, like, these people from, like, Holland, like, how they interact with that, you well, know? I mean, if anything, probably, it was probably cool because they're usually more sociable than we are here, you know, <laughs> things like that. Well, to be honest, I mean, it's not like you kind of ambush them. Like, I, like, you talk about it and you be like, hey, yeah, I want to play. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll take you to the game. And then, you know, I, well, I guess we, I guess one of the quirks is that I moved from the USA to Holland and I took most of my D&D stuff with me. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't know if you were to coming back, so yeah. I yeah, to, to a place where I didn't know if I was going to be playing D&D. I just took it with me. It's all in English. They speak Dutch. That's fine. They speak really good English, too. We're just going to work with it that way. <laughs> all right, so you guys both said that you, you do voices around the house. You know, what do you do? What do those voices kind of sound of, like? Uh, it depends. Like, there's certain, like, you know, it's kind of like you have to st- stay in your lane. Like, I know what kind of voices that I can deliver. Like, okay, my villain at the end is to have some kind of dramatic voice. Okay, I'll kind of feel that out. And then, like, you know, when they do the reveal at the end or towards that, when you finally got into the, where the villain is, I'll roll the villain voice out. But if that's a surprise, I want to make sure I can deliver those lines really crisp. So I have to rehearse that. So, you know, I'm talking like this, you know, or something, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, I I mean, you guys know me, like, I, I do a lot of voices, like, during the game and stuff, but they're not in the sense, and, like, when I say that, it's it's a little different, and I was actually watched the roundtable that Dr. DM, Jason, was referencing. As I said, I'm a Matt Mercer fan. I've seen a little bit of what Brennan uh, does on his own. Uh, I know he had jumped into kind of the expansion world of Critical Role because they're starting to have other GMs come in. Abria is another one of them. I saw, I saw a little of her as well. But when they were talking about, like, their quirks about the voices, you're talking about somebody like Matt Mercer, who's a voice actor. So when they're yeah. talking about voices, man, they're talking about levels of inflection that, like, are so far beyond. I mean, you guys have played in enough games with me where I'm doing my voice and I have, like, you know, I have the soft English lilt down, right? So I use that one a whole lot, right? And I got kind of, like, old man kind of voice or, like, feminine voice, you know? 
Um, but outside of that, you know, if I start doing like an Irish Scottish brogue and then all of a sudden, like it starts to be like Jamaican halfway through. And I, I'm like, like I'll literally just, yeah, I'll literally just meta be like, yeah, I don't know where the voice is, guys. So just bear with me, you know, or, you know, <laughs> I'm doing a Russian and I can't quite find him. You know, so when, I, when I'm talking about voices, it's more just I enjoy the goofiness of voices. Uh, and I think it does add a little something to some of the scenes. I think it at least makes it um, I'm not going to be all it makes it so immersive. You know, I mean, we're all you know, we know who we are, but it is definitely uh, I think it breaks the scene a little bit more, you know, and there are definitely certain voices that I I enjoy more. Like I loved bringing out the gentleman. Um I actually patterned him off of one of uh, one of Matt Mercer's NPCs that he had used. Uh, if anyone watches, it was uh, Art- uh, Artagon, um, Jester's uh, patron. Nice. Uh, and I play him. I play Phineas's patron very much kind of in a similar vein, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I have that very kind of foppish kind of uh, kind of feel. So I did enjoy that. And that's something that I I, I try to actually, you know get correct but uh but yeah voices like that it's more like i'm just doing voices like we'll be watching a movie and somebody will have a weird voice and i'll just say the line they just said you know and then bonnie will laugh and i'll be like oh yeah okay i'm gonna do that again you know <laughs> like, that's like that's literally how it goes for me you know there's well, not that sort much of the point. thought to it you know yeah that is sort of the point with voices though it's almost like it doesn't need to be immersive really the advantage of them is that they entertain your audience right Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How many NPCs are the funny NPC with the funny voice and people love them because, oh, my God, that voice was so funny. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter what level you're playing. You know, I've seen it happen in all the actual play podcasts and all this kind of stuff, too. They love a funny fucking voice. It's funny. I want to hear you do that more. And I want to ask you things and make you say certain words because I want to hear how you say (laughs) it. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't no, think I've ever re- magic there. I don't think I've ever really practiced the voice around the house, which probably shows that my voice is because every now and then like, they'll start good and then they'll go bad. Like it'll be like I don't count Ralph Gay, who's supposed to have like kind of like a uh, you know you'll feel the English niggas kind of French kind of accent. You know, Monty uh, Python. No, dude. You, yeah, no, Monty you, Python French. I know what you're talking about, and a lot of your voices will just go like south, or you'll just be like. That's not happening anymore. But Ruffelgay actually <laughs> stayed pretty goddamn consistent over multiple sessions, too. And that's the hard thing to bring it back after, like, you know, three months and be like, oh, yeah, Ruffelgay is good. Oh, shit. What the fuck did he sound like? You know? Well, the thing I always knew what he sounded like because he just I tried to make him sound like the most annoying French fop I could possibly. Yeah, he sounded like John sound. Cleese in uh, yeah. Holy Grail. Yeah. Yeah, or even like, um, you know, kind of like uh, Count, Count Rochefort yeah. fr- from uh, Three Musketeers. You know, just the guys are like even like Tim Curry's French accent from Three Musketeers. Yeah. Just those guys <laughs> who just who who just really annoy the hell out of you. That's what I wanted him to sound like. So right. that was kind of easier to reach back to. Bixie's easy. You know, Bixie is Boom Goblin. Wee! You know, it's like... Yeah. Yeah. No, you're goblin. You do uh, you do like a lot of goblins and Quickster uh, was similar as well. Uh, you're well, the yeah. fairy dragon that you brought as our companion for a little while. You know. I mean, my goblins. There's, there's the Bixie goblin who's kind of an educated goblin, so he, so he can he can he can talk without slobbering. And then there's like the the slobbering goblin, like uh, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> like it's like um, 
<clears throat> more like uh you like it, let us go we help you we help you find things let yeah. us go you know? <laughs> yeah yeah we met that guy i remember that guy. yeah yeah i think we think. shot him in the face <laughs> probably probably well, yeah, one yeah, of the times i used them they got shot reasonable response yeah yeah why not right yeah well, i'm hoping that's not just a response to the voice <laughs> they have a degree of magic they don't have to be shakespeare they don't have to be because you know what it's more to, they, when you do do a, a more serious pointed dramatic line i do that very sparingly because you're not gonna be able to hold that kind of intensity throughout the game with all these varying characters as you're changing around your voices that has the scene tension break levity okay we had a battle and now this silly goblin's gonna say something or this other person who like can barely stop slobbering or they have a voice of changing and cracking and inflections and stuff like that yeah there there is a degree of enjoyment there and you have more room to work because you're not yeah. like like i'm going to deliver these very serious crisp elegant lines you know and I'm just gonna talk about a goblin who would probably chew on your boot if, like, I could get a hold of it. If anything, I would probably uh, the, the thing I should practice more because I use them more often are some of my when I'm a player. Thorn would say cobalts. When I was when I'm a player, because like I will I will try to keep a similar voice for uh, most of the people, most of my characters that I play. And you know, when I'm player in the game, I get one person, so I can kind of focus in on what they're doing. But like. Even that, like I was last Tomb of Annihilation game, I was kind of doing a deeper voice for the GIF. I was trying to find like, was it kind of a deep voice? He's big. He's you know whatever. And then at one I point, I, yeah, at one point I realized I was just like, no, his voice is Ron Burgundy. So like now I have to practice the Ron Burgundy, <laughs> right, thing, you yes. know, right? Yeah, because it just started to come out. I was like, oh, that's that's it. That's the voice. He's Ron Burgundy. Yeah. You see, I think you should just listen to that epic rap battle of history on YouTube. That's Teddy Roosevelt versus uh, <laughs> Churchill, and just steal That's and just steal uh, Nice Peter's Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, at least grow a spruce mustache and cover some of it up. <laughs> I'm into fitness, digging down, digging ditches through an isthmus, riding down a cuba. Like, what's up, bitches? Hey, that to me is like kind of what I, I want to hear. That the, oh, that's I, I love I'll that one. I want to listen to it from Ron. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> What about in the game? Anything quirky you think you do in the game uh, that kind of defines your games a little bit? I mean, other than, you know, I'm, I'm notoriously not the most patient player in certain scenes. I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't think that's quirky. That's just uh, that's just you just I'm like, yeah, let's go. Come on. All right, everyone. Shopping montage. You can hear him. Gr you can hear him grinding his teeth through the microphone. Yeah, no, let's <laughs> <laughs> what does this person have in this price range? Do they do they have anything interesting? Oh, good God. We're going to walk into every store in this entire city and see if they have anything interesting. Okay. I can only imagine what Tony must have thought when I had you guys enter the Goblin Market in the Feywild. And it was literally just ramshackle stalls with who knew what was in there? You had to go and ask them, you know, for your greatest desire kind of shit. And and then they're just endless stalls of these small goblins. And you couldn't buy anything with money. So everything no. was like a do I, don't I kind of deal. Yeah, it was your memory. You had to pay a memory. Which I still love it that. It was interesting. Yeah, I still have that mechanic. Yeah. It's going to come back at some point. It was interesting. It just needed to be a, uh, you, you, you need better stuff if you're going to be, you know, buying memory i did yeah that, that's the thing i didn't i didn't front load it that was what i yeah. realized you know i started small i should have front loaded it i should have gone greatest desire you know but then i would have been giving out fucking 
six ring of wishes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, well, you're you're yes, but you've got a ring no of six one. wishes. There you go. Yeah, like, I mean, I, that's, you know, so. You can't wish for the Avenger in the storm. I was, to, I, was me, I was trying to mediate, you know, in a way, but, you know. Anyway, everything's should've, a photo. You should have just had, like, literally, like, a tank when we walked in. <laughs> like, literally, like, just, like, a magic <laughs> tower. An actual tank from, yeah, from another world. What is or, yeah, just act contraption. Or, like, an A1 Abrams tank. Or, no, nah, that's a little, that's, that's, that's too, that's not, that's too modern. Like, a nice, like, you know, uh, Sherman tank. Yeah. You know, you walk in, like, they brought into, uh, like, Bandits. Time Bandits. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> do it. Yeah, just guys ship, are rolling you know? up on a fucking yeah. Sherman tank for no like what is happening right now? <laughs> That's just That's that would have made us you know trade some memories maybe. I mean I don't think it's quirky I don't think it's weird but I have noticed since I've been doing more in person gaming when I am running the game once things are happening I realize I stand the whole time I'm a big stander and I move around the table a lot. And you're tall. You know, I, what? Yeah, like, and I just kind of, I'm, I'm reaching over stuff, and I'm just standing there, and then I'll go kind of, like, crouch on the couch, and what are you guys doing? You know, I'm, like, very, like, active physically when I'm running. Like, if it's, like, once the encounter kind of happens. Like, if they're just role-playing, that's different, but once an encounter starts to go down, like, I'm very physical. I'm very moving around the table, and I'm just kind of like, you know, I don't know. I do I stand that a lot. I my last second edition campaign. Yeah. Now that yeah. Was, there was so much shit going on in that campaign. I had like seven players and all their pets and hedge people and the lucky charms and like their toys and their robots. Like it was really. And then, you know, God forbid if I have more than four, two, three, three or four monsters out there, like I got nuts. <laughs> like I had someone do like whiteboarding the initiative and. Yeah, I think one thing that's definitely an in-game quirk for me is using Lovecraftian monsters in D&D. Bringing it back in some way to something Lovecraftian. I don't know if I'll do it next oh, time. Oh, this is royalties. Yeah, that is definitely <laughs> like you you will turn it that way even if it's a little bit. And I think I, that's infected me a little bit too because all of a sudden Curse of Stride has like Lovecraftian shit in it now. <laughs> you just want something so big and unfathomable, you know? It's like, oh yeah, there's a wizard in the tower. Ooh, there's like, there's the, there's, there's Strahd in the, in the castle. Yeah. Ooh, there's an unthinkable horror from outside your universe trying to get in and destroy everyone, driving you mad at the same time. See, now we're talking. Now it's a this is something yeah. to be afraid of. I think actually, Thorne, one of the, one of your quirky things you do that I picked up on and I thought was a great thing was the way you, when you're running an encounter live, well, the overline too, but you can't see it as much, but where you have, and we've talked about it, you'll have like three books open on your stomach and you'll just kind of like flip back and forth going through stat blocks, but you'll just have them all lined up, just kind of leaning on your stomach while you're running and you roll out and it boom, boom, <laughs> Must boom, be nice boom. to be a giant. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I, I thought that was quirky, but I thought it was a cool quirk because it's it's definitely a, it it gave me I don't exactly do that, but it definitely did uh, make me go, oh, that's something that I could start to kind of play with somehow, you know. Now in person, I am like a super analog DM. I'm not using <laughs> yeah. electronics generally at all. I'm bringing books. I'm I'm putting like paper clips in them. I'm flipping pages. We're rolling dice. I'm writing things down with a pen on no, actual paper. No you technology know, past 1985. That's that's it. right. I'm DMing like I learned to DM it's, back in back in the back back in the early 90s. Nothing has changed. I still color in my dice with a crayon. 
No, 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 no. I need brighter dice than that, so I no longer do that. I, I get those nice hot, you know, those dice that are nice and uh, high contrast, you know, that you can read. How about that? Is there any quirky dice things? I know I got a couple. What are you guys, aside from collecting uh, I have benched some dice permanently. Yeah? You just, they're just forever in, like, solitary confinement? Yeah, no, there was a die that rolled so many ones, it was forever banished. I like things that are kind of multicolor and, per, like, either kind of, like, um, pearlescent or marbled kind of looking, you know. Uh, but I also really want a high contrast between the number. Like, readability is a really high. It's like, one, I want to like the die, I want to like the way it looks, but then I want to be able to read it oh, dude, without so having to pick it up and stare. They're beautiful, and I can't, I don't even know what it says. It could say A. I don't really even know. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I rolled a... Pie. I don't know. Game. I'm not sure what that's it. It says um, kitty paws. I rolled a kitty paws. Does that hit? Does kitty paws hit? <laughs> so at this point, like I have my main set that I use my metal ones, but then like there have been times where I'll take all my other twenties and I'll roll them out, and then I'll like that. Those are the ones, the, like the high rolls, are the ones that get used for the game. That kind of shit. <laughs> like, you, know. you know what's funny? The metal dice are part of kind of they really kind of came out with this kind of new era of D and D. Yeah. yeah. I still don't like metal dice. I have, no, I, I do have a set of, I do have a couple of D6s that are stamped from uh, musket balls. So those I yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. But to me, metal dice are just like, they're just clanky. They, they kind of, they, they do settle okay, but they knock stuff over. So I tend to prefer plastic dice, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I always have another There's set of ball dice. plastics, too, but. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're stamped out. Yeah. Great. Yeah, they're, 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 that lead poisoning. I think they're pewter, I hope. I don't know. They might I would be go with pewter. That'd be much better. Yeah. <laughs> versus the permanent brain damage you're getting from playing D&D, aside from the, you know, the normal one you would get. My dice are all green, and I later found out that's because you could see them better. Like, who knew? The eye actually picks up green more than any other color. I like green. I tend to do kind of combo colors, though, like green and gold, red and blue, uh, silver and blue kind of things. Yes, and there's going to be some shade of blue that actually the eye picks up the most and someone's going to rate it and be like, no, it's Palestine <laughs> blue. That is a color, actually. I will say I got a I have my one D twenty bond got for me. I think it was this Christmas and it was set and it was actually I guess a thing a quirky thing I do or just something I do all the time while I'm playing, but she picked it up enough that she got it. So the one says nope and the twenty says all day. Because she was noticing that well a lot of times I'd roll out and I'd be like, Nope, nope, nope or I'd be like, you know, somebody roll a crit and I'd be like, All day, all day, you know? <laughs> Uh, so she actually got him like, you know, like the, the special one made. So it says nope and all day. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you say it literally the whole game. I was like, oh, you do. do you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I <laughs> like, that's a quirky thing that I didn't realize I did, you know, and now I have a die to prove it. What about other quirky Your things you've seen other DMs do? Oh, Chris got dice that are bigger than my grandmother's meatballs. Oh, no. I'll oh, yeah. Chris has the, the he gets that dungeon crate, man. And they send some fucking dice, dude. I can see, I can read that without my glasses on. Here you go. Here's the quirkiest thing that Chris does. My brother who ran the Marvel campaign that we were in and is currently running Tomb of Annihilation. So you guys will remember when we talk about it. Um, Chris's catchphrase, his campaign should just be called juice. All every campaign is called all of a sudden, all of a sudden. <laughs> Because it's, do you notice that? It's always all of a sudden. And I'm like, yeah, no shit all of a sudden. Of course. But that yeah, like all the time, like that's his catchphrase, right? With all of a sudden. You it's know? better than Rock's fall. Yeah, that, like, he'll set, you know, he'll okay. set the scene and then all of a sudden, and you're like, okay, rolling, you know, we're rolling initiative, you know, pick up your dice or something, you know. <laughs> so I know that's something quirky that Chris does. 
Uh, Tony's quirk, I don't know if it's a quirk or not. It's just a storyline, and we were laughing about it last time. Tony fucking loves portals, man. If you if he could get you in a portal somewhere, dude, he's getting he's that's it. He's just gonna have a game just of portals, like the old video game portals, like just bouncing from world to world. We are traveling anywhere. Story engines. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're not walking anywhere. Get in the portal. Yeah, they get you there right away. Why not? But is that I would say that that would probably. I mean, if it's quirky or not, but it's something that uh that definitely is a is a Tony trademark, you know. So, Tony, what do you think? Dave's, like named Ar- Dave's named our quirks. What's Dave's quirk? Yes. Aside from nope and all day. We already call those. And my weird voices that I even use at work. Wildly um, <laughs> I wouldn't say quirk trademark. There's really that comprehensive recap. Like, really? Like, it is like I guarantee every time. And I, I really pay attention. And I try to air quotes. I really do. And all the games to pay attention. He will do a recap, and I'll be like, eh, I forgot about that. Son of a goat's ass. <laughs> I always think of, like, when I'm putting my recap together, like, I'm, I'm always envisioning, like, you know, the show comes back, or the movie, you know, in the third age, when the world, like, you know, it's always, like, this, like, really, like, you know, where, but, like, between that and, like, the old, like, on last episode, we got the heroes, and, you know, whatever, the 1920s kind of thing. <laughs> you're you trying try to a Dukes of Hazard recap. Oh, that would be good, right? Have and see if I can get a Waylon Jennings voice to do it. There right? you go. The narrator. How's the party going to get out of it this time? Good old boy, <laughs> how are those good old boys going to get out of this? Oh, it's so good. They're going to drive faster. Good. I don't know. It's like an episode of The Flash. <laughs> yeah. To solve that problem by running faster than they did last episode. We definitely don't jump enough cars in our games. Right. I mean, if someone would generously provide us with a car, perhaps we could. I mean, we we could break out the old for one of the one shots. We could bring out the cold, the old uh, 80s. I think it was TS. Was it TSR? Car Wars. Didn't they release that one? Car Did you guys ever see that? That's a deep cut. Remember that? Car Wars? And the, you know, you could build the car out, whatever. I don't know. I think yeah, I played we, that, actually. I definitely yeah. played a, an old car war, an old car race game where you fought each other. Yeah, yeah, it was all RPG style, right? But yeah, it was yeah. all cars. Yeah, you could jump them in that. We could do Dukes of Hazard and cars. How them Duke boys <laughs> gonna get out of it this week? Well, who knows, boss? Hall, you know. Uh, Actually, quirkiest game I have somewhere around here. I have the book for Battle Cattle. Cows uh, yeah. outfitted for war. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> why aren't they in our five E game? Three ditch. Come on. Uh, you're not high the enough. Both high levels from Diablo. <laughs> you know, you know, cows, cows bring it. Cows, cows bring it hard. You're not high enough level yet. Yeah, absolutely. Assault. That, First kill God, then try the cows. All terrain vehicles, right there, man. They run on grass, you know. Yeah, they, there's, there's no stopping to the cows. CR twenty four. Come on, cows. I have to have, I have to have some more quirks than just my amazing recap abilities. Your love uh, of breaking thorn? into song. <laughs> like just you try to stop this man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely a quirk on the show. Freddie no Mercury would be impressed. I mean, shit. No <laughs> doubt. I just forced, I shoehorned that in fucking 80 episodes ago, and we we're just like, I guess Dave's doing that every episode. 80? More like 103. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been on episode two, if uh, not episode one. I don't know. Do I, I don't know if I break into song during the game, though, do I? I don't know. No, but you do around the game. Like, you break yeah. into song pretty easy. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's it doesn't take much, you know. Which you is why it? I made Roderick not a song bard. 
You know, he was much more. You see, should have played, but but imagine you could have played the type. Oh, absolutely. And and you could have capitalized on that every session. Think of all the. I could have sang every song of rest, you know, especially because I had looked up. I had it on my phone for the Storm Kings game. A hundred bard songs that you could pull up. It just wacky ass names. And I was like, every short rest, I'll say what song I'm going to sing, you know. Can you imagine (laughs) how much inspiration DM Tony would have given you for that? Yeah, that's very possible. What yeah. what I love is Roderick would have hated that. He'd be like, "Oh, you're singing." Exactly. Uh, exactly. It was a you know, my next. It's only recently. You're so lame. My next. I never will be uh will be completely to com- fucking like stereotypical bard. Yeah. Just be careful because the last bard I had with a theme song got shot by another party member and died in one round. <laughs> I feel like that was probably I partly your crit hit and miss tables, though, at fault. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I'm sure it was unintentional. Yeah, I, where all of a sudden you have exploding D6s or whatever, you know, like that kind of stuff. I think that was probably that. <laughs> those, those, those were, um, yeah, that, 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 was, that was a group quirk where you, if you're going to play in our game, you, they're, they're, you know, we expect this, this, oh, and our ridiculous critical hit and miss system. Have fun. Try not to and die. then we're gonna, yeah, and you're, we're gonna kill each other off by mistake and complain about it as it happens, even though we insisted that you use this. The people who insisted on using it all were like playing paladins and stuff. Like it was the people <laughs> with high hit points who insisted on the critical miss table. The NPC I brought to the game died at level three. I'm like, well, I was getting attached to him. That sucks. He got buried. I mean, you know. <laughs> when, when you eat a uh, you know a uh, sheath arrow in the throat on times five damage, you know stuff gets ugly. I mean, you're not gonna oh run on that. Yeah, insanity. Yeah, house rules. Weird house rules was definitely the quirk of that old group. It is so much so that it scared us all away from house rules since then. <laughs> what are you playing by the no, book, guys? No, I, I, I think it evolves. Our ability to really contain what you can do to add flavor and spice to the game. Like, I mean, what's my quirk? I say I am Mr. House Rules because I'm always making up new content that's outside of what Watsy's doing. But it's more structured. I'm like, hey, will this completely train wreck everything? Or is it like agonizingly underwhelming? Let's, let's try to go somewhere down the middle nicely. I think I'm Mr. By the Book so. until I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm Mr. By the Book until I'm not by the book. And then we're kind of all off in House Rules. Mm. That's a mixture, you know. Well, we've been talking for a little while about our quirks. I don't know. Did we did we have enough quirks for this episode? We're gonna I suddenly feel like real white bread DMs. Yeah, we need I, feedback, you know. I, I I don't know how much to give final thoughts on this. I mean, it's like I'm gonna give you actionable advice on my quirks. Like talk to yourself more? I mean, hmm. If that if you think that'll help. <laughs> I'd like to see you try though. Tony, how about some final thoughts on quirks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if these if these quirks are things that really help your creative process, then, you know, embrace them, roll with them. Where I'm walking around playing the entire freaking session out in my mind beforehand, it, by the time I get to game time, like I'm kind of really the opposite of Thor in that respect, where he's got all of his actual books out there. I've got my phone, the mods on there. It's in a Google Doc. I've got all the monsters. It's all lined up. And I can just reference them for key things when someone's attacking my monsters. Charisma save. I've got that. But all the key points, I've got them. Sometimes I do the full rehearsal with the crazy voices just so I know I, I'm confident I can deliver that 
line because nothing's worse than you put this module together, you put these parts together, and you're like, and I really should have added this thing. I'll sneak that in later. I mean, I'll say, I was, I'll just say as a final that what I think we realize is that there's so much in this game and this hobby that you start to relate everything to it, and it literally mm-hmm. is running through your mind all day. In, you know, at points throughout the whole day, it's coming back to the game, whether it's the game you're playing in, whether it's the game you're running. For me, and I think for the three of us, probably more the game you're running because there's just so much and that world is always building and you're always thinking it through. And then, I, like I was saying, you just start to relate everything to it. And that can, when you're outside of the the game uh, or outside of the hobby, let's say that can seem really quirky and weird because they're like, wait, what? You're, this is a game, and you're, you're like, but they don't, you know, you don't get it if you're not there. You don't get it. So I think I think that's probably the thing. Uh, things are going to look quirky unless you're involved in this, and then they're going to seem like, well, that's not quirky. That's just being a DM, and you're like, no, that's fucking quirky, bro. You're, <laughs> you're right. You know. I think for me, one of the big things I take away from all of this is that, you know, even the presentation of that the quirk is somehow a bad thing or something your significant mm. other has to has to live with or endure from you. I don't know, man. My wife's fine with it. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't cause stress in the relationship. There's nothing about me playing D&D that 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 causes any problems there. And I think your quirks are just part of who you are. You know, it's almost it's, it's your DMing quirks are really more than just DMing quirks. There's this great Jay-Z song, Prelude, off, off of the Black Album. I think it's Prelude 1. And at the end, he says, you know, you can change, but that's just the top layer. You was what you was when you got here. And that's the same thing with being a DM. Like, you're not, you didn't change and develop these quirks because you're DMing. That's just part of who you are. Mm. And it's part of who you are that you bring into the game that you use to help perfect your game and help prepare your game that makes your game more interesting and more unique to you. So what I would say is whatever quirks you have around dungeon mastering, you know, as long as they're not like, you know, uh, hurting anyone else or anything, I don't, I don't want to go too far with this. You know, if your quirk is like human, is, is like human cannibalism. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's say, you know, <laughs> let's stay away from that. But in general, like, I mean, yeah, if you, if you're doing voices in the shower or you're uh, singing campaign theme songs over breakfast, lean into it, man. That's part of enjoying the game. As long as you're having a good time, that's the important thing. There you go. All right. All right. So thank you all for listening to this uh, episode of three wise DMs about our quirks. And I really do think we need to find some more quirks. I feel, I think we, yeah, we, we got to get quirkier in our DMing. I, I don't know how exactly, you know, maybe tattooing campaigns on our on our on our on our arm somewhere or something. I don't know. I'd have you a know, lot of ink. What have you got a tattoo for every game session? I don't have any. Oh, ink, just... <laughs> no, I would have a lot of ink. My back would be like I mean, each, each campaign. Maybe you, know, you finish a campaign, you can tat it, you know, but I mean, each session. Good God, there's not enough okay. skin. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for stopping by to talk this one out. Absolutely. Great stuff. And thank you all for listening at home. We hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please hit that five-star rating button in your podcast player. That really helps us get the word out and helps our, our podcast get surfaced to more and more audience. This came from a, from a listener question. Jason, thank you very much for sending this in. If you want to hear us answer your questions, please send them in to 3 at gmail.com. 
or go to our website, freewisedms.com, enter them in the What's Your Problem field, or talk to us on on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're active in all those places. We're always looking for new questions, new ways we can help DMs with their games. I'd also say, you know, check out freewisedms.com. If you like what you're hearing here, we've got over 200 pieces of content on the site, both articles and podcasts. If you know someone who, who, who wants DM advice but doesn't like listening to podcasts, definitely send them over there to check out the articles. It's actually some, uh, these are both some of our best stuff. So I hope you enjoy it. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Free Wise DMs. Thank you.